Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. This week we are going to turn our attention to God's Word. We are in the book of Thessalonians. Uh, One of you this past week said, Pastor, are we still in Thessalonians? And I said, yes. Yes, we are. We are stuck in this book uh, for until the end of time, but uh, we are we are in a portion of this book where Paul is making a transition. Paul is is uh, transitioning to really his his teaching side. Up until the first three chapters, there's this welcome, and he's giving them praise, and he's saying, you guys are doing such a good job. You guys have been making it through persecution. Well, in chapter 4, which is what we are going to be turning to today, Paul is addressing teaching. Now, two weeks ago, if you guys remember here, we looked at verses 1 through 8 and how Paul challenged us in, in God's plan for our sexuality. Well, today we are going to continue on in God's plan for us, and we are going to be looking at verses 9 through 13. So if you guys would be willing to stand this morning, we are going to read God's word, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 9 through 13. God's word says this. It says, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. Verse 11. And to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent upon no one. Let us pray. Father, as we come to your word this morning, Father, we come seeking you. Lord, as we, as we talk about this section of Scripture, Lord, I ask that you would come by your Holy Spirit and reveal to us how we can honor you and how we can live out your plan in our lives. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated here. Well, you might remember a few weeks back, we touched on how the Thessalonians, and as you read this entire book, this entire letter, Paul constantly brings up how well they are doing at loving other people. This church had done this this task of loving people extremely extremely well. They were they were kind of known for people who would love one another, how they would love outsiders. They were a, a church that truly truly loved one another. And then we get to verse 9. And I want to reread 9 and 10. And Paul decides to bring it up again. If you have read this letter, he has already brought this up multiple times, but he brings it up again. He says, now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, do this more and more. Now, if you were the Thessalonians, I want to kind of give you uh, how things would take place back then. And what I mean by that is that 
in the New, New Testament, when Paul would write a letter to a church, it was interesting. It's, you, you know, here we have, we have God's word and we have all of just God's letters here. But here, back in those times, when a letter would get sent out to a church, how it would be presented was that they would receive the letter and then somebody in the church would stand up and read the letter to them. And they would probably read that letter multiple times. They would just read it over and over again to the church family. And, and if you were in the crowd, if you were a part of this church, and if you were listening, your ears would really perk up when Paul brings up love for one another again. Because, like what I said, this isn't, this isn't Paul's first time talking about how well they are doing. But here, Paul says, listen, you guys, you guys are doing really, really well in loving one another. But then he goes on and he says, I want you to continue to do this more and more. And, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and you might be, be sitting here thinking, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, thinking, Pastor, we've already talked on this. We've already talked about you know, loving one another here. Well, Paul here urges them, saying, listen, you guys need to continue on in this. That this aspect of how you treat and how you love each other is so vital. And, and I know many of you in this room who have been following Christ or maybe have even heard of just Christianity in general, you have probably heard, what is our role? To love one another. But Paul brings it up again, and it is so important here. And I want to turn to Jesus' words in John 13. 13, 33 through 35. Just to reiterate how important it is for us to love one another. This is what Jesus says. He says, little children, yet a, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews... Now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new command I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have, what are the words? Love for one another. And this is interesting because here Jesus is actually talking about leaving. He's actually telling his disciples, hey, I'm leaving. I'm going to be going to a place where you cannot come at this time. And, but he gives them this last command to once again to love one another. And I just think we as a church, we need to be reminded of that because as Paul wrote this letter, he brings it up over and over and over again. But one thing, I think, as I read Scripture, there is something that can really hinder you from loving one another. And that's going to be forgiveness. I don't know if you guys have ever, have ever thought about this, but there is a correlation between forgiveness and love for one another. And I know within, you know, just being a simply a human being, being a part of a group of just people, I don't know if you guys know this, but sometimes people offend one another. I don't know if you've ever been offended or if maybe, 
Maybe you've never had anybody ever say anything mean to you at any point in time. If you are that person in this room right now, I want to warn you, last forever, that there will be time. Did we lose battery here? I'm sorry here, guys. But I, I bring this up because, because I see these two things go hand in hand. How we forgive and how we, how we can forgive people it really affects how we love one another. You know, I know in my own life, I have been hurt by people. I've been hurt by family members. I've been hurt by friends. I've been hurt by coworkers. And I think all of us in this room have probably experienced harsh words, harsh criticisms um, at some point in time in your life. And I think it is really, really easy to let hurt, to let words to let people's actions affect us. Because I know that when you get hurt, when, when somebody says something to you, whether intentionally or not intentionally, it does something inside of you. And I know that, it, that the first feelings are not love. Somebody say, say something to you, and then is your first, first thought like, well, i got to just love this person, right? Like, I know you said these mean words, and you uh, made these harsh criticisms, and my first thought in my mind is I just have to love you, right? No, your first thought is anger, possibly resentment, and, and sometimes you can dwell on it. You know, I had, uh, I had this coworker years ago. They always seemed to be like it was just constant harsh criticism. Have you ever been around a real, real critical person? where it's like everything they say is critical, of, and, and it sometimes feels like it's, they're just being critical of you, right? Like you're trying to do your job, and they're constantly making comments, and you're like, do you realize your comments are like right at me, and uh, they're not really very nice comments, and it's actually pretty rude, and it's, you are like, but there are people out there, and, and I will say this, there are certain personalities, there are, there are personalities of, of people that they just have kind of like a harsh personality. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be picking on those. If you are one of those here, there's a back door. But um, <laughs> you, as you live this life, you're going to come across people that are going to hurt you. But I think you also need to realize this. You are going to come across people, and you can sometimes hurt them. That sometimes your words, your actions, whether intentional or not, can offend people, can hurt people. And I bring this up because I just think this is so vital to us loving one another. You might be a part of a church, and you might have had people in church hurt you. You might have had pastor say something that was like, well, that wasn't very kind. But I think we need to really realize that this is not just part of life, but it's part of how we love people. It's figuring out, okay, how do we work through hurts? How do we work through unforgiveness? Because it is alive and well within all churches. You know, there might be people in this room that you might be uh, thinking about we're not going to call it out, but you're like, I remember when so-and-so did this to me. I still haven't forgiven them. I remember when this person said this to me. 
and I'm still hanging on to it. And I think that we have to work through forgiveness, and it's just as important as working through love for one another. As I think about Jesus' words, Jesus says this in Matthew 16, verses 14 through 15. He says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Verse 15. These are the scariest words within Scripture, if you ask me. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. I think we need to first ultimately realize that when we come to Christ, Jesus forgives all of our sins. That, that, that God is so good to us that Jesus looks at us, and because of our faith in him and what he has done on the cross and his death and resurrection, your sins, your wrongdoings, your offenses to God are washed. They're washed clean. And then we can sometimes so often look at other people and hold on to them. And Jesus, he actually gives, gives quite a few parables on this, but I just think, church, if we're going to love each other, man, I pray that we can learn to forgive. That we can just say, you know what, yeah, that, that does stink. And you might be, be sitting here waiting for them to come and to apologize to you. They probably should. But I also think about when Jesus was dying on that cross. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And sometimes we can hurt each other, we can offend one another. And I think if we don't, if we don't struggle through forgiveness, it can really damper our love. Because I always lean back on, on C.S. Lewis's definition of love. That you want the very best for that person. When there's unforgiveness and bitterness, you don't want the very best. If you're really honest, you kind of want them to suffer. And you're kind of like, ah, I, I, I kind of hope things go, go, go poorly for them. You would never say it out loud, but trust me, I know that you've thought it, okay? Because that's the, the sinful nature within us. But I bring this up because Paul is encouraging them and pushing them and saying, listen, you've got to love one another. And I just see forgiveness and love just going hand in hand, that, that we have to forgive and we have to have grace and we have to also realize we offend as well at times. But you might be wondering here, well, what about these next couple verses here? Verses 11 and 12. I'd like to uh, turn back, and we're going to see there is a connection here. You might be thinking there's no connection possible, but give me 10 more minutes, and I'll try to make this connection here. Turn with me back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. It says this, And to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands, as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. These, these verses have really made me ponder this past week. What is Paul saying in these verses? Because, because at face value, this is what I was thinking. I was thinking, okay, Lord, 
You want me just to live a quiet life, mind my own affairs, don't get involved with anything, keep my nose to the grind, work with my hands. I thought maybe I should quit ministry this past week and become a painter or some sort of construction worker. And I should walk properly before outsiders and live off the land and that I shouldn't be dependent upon anyone because that's what the word says here. And it, it started making me think, maybe this is the verse that the Amish live out. Have you ever thought about that here? Put back up verses 11 and 12. Look at these words here and think about Amish people. Now, in the UP, we don't have a whole lot of Amish people, but in Wisconsin, we had quite a few of them. And when I think about Amish people, they don't care what's happening in the world. I don't even know if they know COVID exists, to be honest with you. They work with their hands. The entire Amish community is dependent upon no one. I don't know if you ever like thought about this, but they are people that they mind their own business, they live off of the land, they work with their hands, they're dependent upon no one. Unless they need a ride somewhere, then you got to pick them up. Uh, living in the Amish community, I, I remember we hired them at our last church, and uh, they can't drive the car, but someone else can. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I said, why don't you just get a license? And you know, no, 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 we can't. We can't drive this vehicle, but somebody else can then drive them there. But I think about this, and I think about, Paul, what are you talking about here? Because these words seem abstract to us in the church. Well, Paul is always addressing issues. As you read Paul's letters, he's always addressing issues in the church. And within this church, they had some problems. And the problems were is that they had restless people, they had meddlers, and they had idle people in their lives. And I want to kind of address that here, is that uh, Paul is, he is specifically talking about there were people in the church, they weren't doing a whole lot. In the means of work and providing for oneself, they were living off of the generosity of others. They were idle, and they were meddling within other people's affairs. And that is why Paul writes this here. He is addressing this issue, that there are, I don't want to just say lazy people, but there are people in this church, in that church, I'm not talking about our church, so just hold on here, okay? Within that church, they weren't doing much. They weren't doing much towards the community of the church. They weren't doing much towards their own life. They were kind of just living off of, of just generosity of just others. And Paul is addressing this here. He is addressing these specific issues. And if you look at 2 Thessalonians, which is Paul's second letter to the church, same group of people, we get a little bit more insight on what Paul is talking about. Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, starting in verse 6. He says this, he says, Now we command you, brothers... In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who's walking in idleness and not in accord with the traditions that you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but, the, but, but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. 
It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you and ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone's not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busybodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in our Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. We turn there because we get another insight. Because in the first letter, Paul is saying these words, but in the second letter, Paul actually steps it up a notch. And he's like, listen, these people, I'm telling you, watch out for them. Remind them, if you're not willing to work, you can't eat. So within that church, they had people that just were not doing much. Now, I've often wondered why. You know, like, what's going on here? Because this was a church, they were really excited about Jesus' return. And you see that throughout both letters, that, that this church, they did a really good job loving one another, but they were also really excited about God's return. And maybe, maybe there were people there that were kind of living like, well, why should I do anything when Jesus is coming back? And they could have had that mindset. They're like, well, I mean, I guess I could start this project. But I don't know. I think Jesus is coming back here pretty soon. And that very well could have been their mindset. But either way, Paul is addressing to them. He's saying, listen, aspire to live quietly. Be ambitious about living a quiet life. We must be purposeful in our aim towards balance and being calm. And we're called to live this life out. And he says, mind your own affairs. Stop meddling within other people's affairs and their own business and just being busybodies and just kind of snooping around. But I do think that these things go hand in hand because the next one, he tells them, listen, I want you to work and work with your hands here. He's basically saying, I want you to have a job and for you to provide for your family so that you can then become generous to outsiders. It's interesting. You know when you're become idle. I don't know if you've ever had a season of like not working or, you know, I remember like back in my college days, Christmas break was always like the worst time because throughout the school year I'm working on classes and then when I'd get to Christmas break, I was idle, right? And it's like you kind of have these like four weeks off and when you become idle, Man, there's something about that. There's something about like when you're not busy at work or busy working on your on your on your schoolwork, idleness can cause all sorts of issues within us. It creates laziness and it creates all all sorts of stuff. And it kinda you kinda end up like drifting around and you start looking around at just other people's stuff. When you're working all the time, you don't really have a lot of time to be idle and to be meddling within other people's lives. And that's what Paul is ultimately addressing here. He's like, he's like, church, you've got people within there that are, it's not good. It's not appropriate. So, you might be wondering, and I've been thinking about this because I understand the audience I am speaking to. We've got college students here, but we also have youpers here. And I'm talking to a group of people that are hardworking, uh, youpers are uh, fiercely independent people. 
Um, I've lived in other parts of the country, and youpers are like, they don't want to be dependent on anyone. They work very hard. So I realized to the crowd I'm speaking to, this probably is like, Pastor, I work hard. I know, don't worry about me. Let's just be moving on here. But I think this relates to how we love people. Because as youpers and as men and women here that do work hard and have worked hard, I think it can be, become really easy for us to kind of not always love people that maybe are not in the same ambitious as you are. I think it's very easy for, for especially us northern independent people, for us to be looking at people who are idle, who are cheating a system, whether their own family system or any other system. And it can be easy for us not to, not to have grace, not to have love, to have a little bit of resentment towards them. And I want to encourage you, church family, that regardless of the people you come across, whether you, you have feelings like, well, they should probably step it up, I want to encourage you to be having love for all people. Because our job isn't to change people's lives. We can encourage people. We can challenge people. But our job is to continuously love people. And maybe within this church, there might be people that are just kind of like, you know, I don't want to be doing much of anything, and I just kind of want to just come and just like observe. I would challenge you, get involved within God's kingdom. Get involved with the work of the gospel that is before you. But I would also say, church family, we have every right to encourage people to work. Scripture makes it very, very clear. As a believer, we should be a wonderful example to this world. We should be working hard. We should not be slacking and trying to be looking for easy ways. We should be working hard. And I think when we come across people within our culture, we can encourage them. I don't know if you guys realize this, but right now in Marquette County, we got a work shortage. we got some of my favorite restaurants. I can't eat at my favorite restaurant right now on a Monday because people are unwilling to work. Now, if you don't want to work in the restaurant, that's fine. But I do want Sol Azteca open again on Monday. <laughs> so if you, if you could help me out here. But we do need to encourage people and encourage one another. Work hard. You know? Don't be idle. Don't be meddling within other people's minor affairs, but to work hard and to, and to be giving honor and glory to God in all that we do. And, and like I said, I realize most of you here, I think, are hard workers, and you guys are like, Pastor, we already know this. But I would just encourage you one last time, as what Paul says, I urge you more and more to continue to love one another, regardless of, of people's circumstances that you come across, regardless of where they are just at in life, I would encourage you to love them, to be there for them, to bring the gospel to them. And if you are someone that's like, doesn't really enjoy work, well, I, I got a, a newsflash for you. You're going to do it for a long time. I remember being, 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 being 15, and my parents were, were cutting me off financially. It was a tough time, you know, and I was like, Dad, let me just get a job. And he's like, ah, son, once you start working, you're never going to quit working. And um, I, it's true. I, I kind of wish I would have listened to him. I would have waited till I was about 30 to kind of enter <laughs> the workforce here. But uh, it is true. 
work is really, really good for us. It's a, it gives you a sense of accomplishment, and I think this is, this is simply God's calling, is that, you know, men and women, you were created to work, and to work hard, to not be idle. And, um, and I just think that that is just an encouragement to us, but right along with that, Paul just ties in, I implore you more and more continuously love one another here. So I want you guys to stand, and I'm going to invite the, the worship team back up, and I want to pray for us this morning. And as you guys leave, give Dale a big hug, because this is Dale's last Sunday here, and I'm sorry for picking on you, Dale. But let's pray. Father, we look to your word this morning. Father, I thank you for, for Paul's letter here. Lord, help us. Help us to be men and women that love, who forgive, who won't be idle. God, help us not to be idle in your kingdom, in our workplaces. But Father, help us to be an example to outsiders. Father, I pray for your people that we would be the example you, you, you have called us today that you have called us to be, Lord, and that we would live out your plan for our lives. Father, we give you praise now. In Jesus' name.